Episode 3 for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com podcast. I'm your host, Brad Douglas. Welcome back for the October version. We've got uh, three guests in studio. Actually, no, not in studio. <laughs> Connected through the wonders of the internet. We've got Zach, a.k.a. Spidey Dude. Say hello, hey, Zach. guys. All right. What's going on? And we've got Kevin, a.k.a. Morbius. Hello. And we've got a new one. We've got JR, JR Fettinger from SpideyKicksButt.com. Welcome, JR. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. All right, fellas, let's tackle the, I guess, what every Spider-Man fan is talking about. The Civil War, evidently. At the end of uh, Civil War number four, Spidey has a little bit of doubts about Tony Stark and witnessed that in the latest issue of Amazing Spider-Man. I think it's 535. He's switching sides. He's going over to Captain America, it looks like. Guys, what do you think about it? Zach, you want to hit it first? Yeah, I think it only makes sense that he would hit, that he would switch sides. I think he, I think uh, it was kind of, yeah, he was uh, under Tony Stark, but I still don't think, I still never really agreed with uh, Peter going over to Iron Man's side. I, th- I always thought he'd be more, he's always admired Captain America. And he's always looked up to him. I would have thought more, him going to Cap's side in the first place, but you know, I know he had a new suit and he had mm-hmm. he had his family live in the Stark Tower, but I still still had never sat right with me that Peter was on Iron Man's side, and I I think everybody expected him to switch sides. Yeah, guys, what do you guys think? Well, it's not like um, we didn't expect it to, to happen, considering that uh, some of the teaser images that were released months ago pretty well telegraphed it. Um, I actually thought that. Um, it was uh, it was handled a lot better in five, Amazing Spider-Man 535 than in Marvel Civil War 4. Uh, frankly, I, I would have thought Peter would have jumped uh, all up and down Tony Stark right after uh, the the clone killer clone Thor blew a big <laughs> hole in uh, in Giant Man. Yeah, him and a whole uh, bunch of readers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, and Peter just says, "Well, I thought you knew what you were doing, Tony." I mean, that that P- I, I think Peter would have been would have would have just absolutely gone gone uh, nuts and uh, really lashed out at Stark then. He was very subdued. Uh, and then in Amazing Spider-Man 535, he gets all bent out of shape because he uh, because he gets to visit the Negative Zone Gulag. So I think <laughs> I think there's a little bit... I think JR, JMS has his characterization a little better than Millar. Um, but, um, you know, so I think... I think uh, I think he he blew his gasket a little bit too late, but but yeah, he's always been an anti-establishment character, mm-hmm. and um, he's um, so uh, this is uh, perfectly natural for him. Yeah, more. What do you think? I don't really agree with Jr. I don't think anybody was uh, exactly surprised by the last two issues and what's happened with Spider-Man because we've all been seeing it coming since the beginning, even. You know, beyond the solicitations and everything we've seen, we knew it wasn't really sitting right with him. We saw him being coerced. So we're not exactly getting the big shock moments with this one, but some we all expected to happen, some we all wanted to happen. Right now I'm really just waiting to see exactly how they're going to pull off the side switch. That's going to be the real key to this whole thing. Yeah. You know, he's he's gone. I, I guess they can do, undo anything in, in comics, but, you know, I he uh, revealed the identity. You know, he's he's got a new suit, which I imagine... Has a uh, hack in it that Stark can probably take control of, if I had to guess, a future storyline. What do you think of that? I mean, is, can they un- undo this? I mean, can the writers say mind wipe everybody like they've done in Iron Man stories in the past, where his secret identity is not known? I think the storytelling aspect. I don't think any of the writers would want to undo the unmasking. Yeah. It's certainly an interesting uh, concept that this guy who's hit behind a mask for you know forty some odd years. 
is now unmasked. I think it's a very interesting concept, but to sit there and mind-wipe everybody, you know, you'd have to mind-wipe everybody in the, uh, the entire Civil War event. And I know for a fact that it wouldn't be in this administration. I think mm -hmm. it, if it was going to be in an administration, it would probably be in the next administration, but not in the Casada yeah. administration. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they, they brought Aunt May back. <laughs> but that was another administration. But... Uh, Guys, what do you think? The ones I wouldn't be surprised at anything yeah. Marvel did. Yeah. Um, the um, I, I actually think the unmasking was an interesting idea yeah. um, because um, you know uh, in, in this day and age, I mean, there wouldn't be any such a thing as a secret identity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he'd have been out of it a long time ago. Of course, of course, we've always enjoyed the unreality of our comics anyway. <laughs> but uh, the thing, the thing I'm worried about is that you know, kind of like they did with the. Like they all sat around and said, oh, man, this is a cool idea. They, can't, they come up with about a year's worth of stories, and then they're going to look at it and say, oh, my God, what do we do now? We've already yeah. done the, the Jonah knows angle, the Betty knows, Liz knows, Deb Hart or Whitman's <laughs> coming out with her uh, tell-all book, and I'm afraid yeah. that after about a couple of years they're going to exhaust all the potential, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be, I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised at anything Marvel pulls. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the modern Spider-Man's a little bit different than he was when I grew up. You know, he, he was a loner. He didn't really team up with, well, except Marvel team up, but he wasn't part of a team. It seems these days he's part of a team. You know, he's got uh, just a little bit of a character growth. I don't know if it's growth, but it's a bit of a character change. Do you guys see that? or? Absolutely. I think yeah. they've um, I think they've given him a lot of evolution in the past few years, and I think most of it, certainly not all of it, but most of it has been... Pretty good. It's been pushing the character forward, and where we go with it is anybody's question. It depends on what creative teams we bring in and who has what ideas. But I think a lot of the stuff they've been doing has a heck of a lot of potential, and I'm, I've been enjoying the newer development of the character. But in the contrast, you know, they complain about the wedding, and that was a character growth. So <laughs> it's just another wall, I guess, they're going to back themselves into, I guess. Because I, I think unmasking is a bigger thing than being married, just personally. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What the rest of you guys? What do you think? Jr. Um, <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, um, as far as like him becoming part of a team and, and stuff, to me, this is just all. You know, I've been kind of itching for him to join the Avengers for a long time, anyway. Yeah. Uh, not, not as a permanent thing, but uh, you know, th this character has probably aged about ten or fifteen years Marvel time. Right. And, you know, he's going to develop relationships with certain characters. He's going to become, even if he is kind of a screwball, uh, you know, you, you know, after you save the world and the universe so many times, that does kind of guarantee you a certain amount of acceptance yeah. within the community. <laughs> I agree. Um, and, and, frankly, I just got tired of seeing, I don't see how you could call a team the world's mightiest heroes and not have Spider-Man. But um, I, I think some of it's a natural evolution, but I don't think it should be permanent. You know, I mean, I, I really do think in a few years, Tommy ought to be out on his own again, just saying, you know, yeah. folks, it's been nice, but, you know, you people drive me crazy. So. <laughs> sadly, sadly, the D-Man, remember the homeless superhero, whatever, he, he yeah. was on the Avengers before Spider-Man. So I guess they're not the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Zach, you get the, you get the last word. What do you think on, on the evolution of the character? Uh, I think it's, you know, natural evolution. But, you know, like, I, like JR said, it shouldn't be permanent. He should be on his own. The core of the character is that he is a loner. Yeah. Uh, the core of the character is that he, you know, he is misunderstood. And I think you can even take the unmasking as, you know, a further interpretation of being misunderstood, being a loner. Because just like 
if you talk to any celebrity, they they all feel alone because they're hounded every day by the press. Mm-hmm. So he's now a celebrity in his own right. So I think that that can be interpreted. Hey, you know, you're now a loner. You're alone because nobody. I mean, you have your fellow heroes, but nobody really understands what you're specifically going through. Yeah. So. All right, fellas, let's move on to the second topic. We're going to talk a bit about uh, The Amazing Spider-Girl. It came back from cancellation, I guess, the 50th time, <laughs> only this time with the new issue one. Uh, again, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends are going to be the creative team, and I, I read that they're going to change it a little bit. I think she's got just a slightly different costume, and a uh, he's not going from a third-person narrative to... He's, I think he's going to a first-person. Just a little bit of tweaks to get the, the book... A little bit of sales boost. Uh, JR, you're a big Spider-Man fan for years. Uh, is Spider-Girl in your pull list? Uh, for years. Is that implying that I'm that I'm old? Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> me, me and you are the old guys, and these, these other two are the young versions. Okay. No, um, I, um, yeah, uh, yeah, going back to 1974, uh, yeah. for good, bad, or worse, um, no, I, I really enjoy Spider-Girl. Uh, it's been on my, uh, my uh, pull list, uh, so to speak, Probably I didn't I did I didn't stick with it for a while, but probably since about issue thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy uh, you know a female superhero whose whose body is not her major selling point, yes. uh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, you know I mean I'm I'm a red blooded male like anybody else, but you know I I, I think that uh, you know I think that a, a young female intelligent superhero. Um, who keeps her clothes on, who has a, a relatively realistic relationship with her parents. Her parents love her. Uh, they don't always understand her and vice versa. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the series. Um, it's a, for me, it's like a time warp back to the 1980s, um, you know, that, that style of writing where the stories weren't overly adult, weren't overly complex. Um, I like the Falco stuff. Um, but I, I must admit I'm surprised at its survivability because, uh, you know, once it dipped below twenty thousand readers, I thought it was done. Yeah. And uh, you know, kudos to the uh, to the uh, you know very rabid fan base that supports it. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, seeing this uh, this reboot. Right now, Morbius, you're you're not a fan, if I remember correctly, or am I incorrect? No, it's not something I read. Um, yeah. It's not that I'm against the book or anything. It's mostly just not my cup of tea. Like uh, Jr. was saying, it's more the older more fun-loving, less complex type of stories. I prefer the modern, darker, more complex type of yeah. stories, really. So <laughs> it's not really my thing, but um, I know Spidey Dude loves it. Yeah, Spide- <laughs> actually, Spidey Dude is our reviewer of this title. Uh, has the first yes, issue come out yet, or is, is it this it week? It comes out this week, okay. actually. Yeah. So it comes out the, the week 18th. of the 16th, yeah. Yeah. Talk a bit about your so, love for it. You had you had to love it to agree to review the title. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely became enamored with the title. Uh, it's it's one of those titles that I grew up as a child of the Clone Saga. So you know the continuity, you know it references the Clone Saga. It references the good and bad times. And I think it even referenced parts of the reboot. Um, <laughs> I've been a reader of DeFalco since I started reading. So this is just a continuation of the books I read when I was a kid. Which wasn't too long ago, but <laughs> uh, but he, you know, he's a great writer, and I, I, you know, I absolutely love the title, and I, I've been behind the scenes, you know, watching and, and helping out with the uh, this latest effort. I mean, we went out there, we, we did a huge campaign, we went to 
comic book shops and sent out flyers to all these comic shops. We wow. we uh, tried to even get on Oprah at one point to talk about... Um, <laughs> I think I'd actually serious. watch Oprah if that was the topic. Yeah, we were actually trying to get on Oprah to uh, talk about strong wow. female characters in comic books, and uh, it unfortunately didn't go through, but yeah. that was, I mean, we had some huge ideas, and and our, our thing was if we're not gonna if they're not gonna push this we're gonna push this and it really mm-hmm. started when uh we found out the hobgoblin was coming back and so pretty much from then on through issue 100 and until we found out um you know we we were pushing it so hard and you know we were we were really kind of like we didn't expect a relaunch it came as a total complete shock because we were told by some people that were behind the scenes but it wasn't specifically Tom that uh said it, but he, you know, they were saying, you know, this book is canceled. There's, it is not going to be relaunched. It isn't going to be renewed. This book's canceled. And then when we get the pleasant surprise, you know, opening up issue 100 and seeing that ad and then right. uh, reading about it on Newsarama. So, you know, that was a great feeling. And I, I, I think this title, you know, there's certain tweaks. She has a different hairstyle. Mm-hmm. It's longer now. She has a steady boyfriend, if you guys have read the uh, previews yet. You know, so it's going to be a lot different. I think it's going to be even better than it was with issue 100, which is a pretty high bar that, that Tom said. So, yeah. I I just love the title. I I'm also a fan. I I actually uh, have her first appearance in What If number 105. I actually bought that the month it came out and been a big fan. And I'm glad the, the title uh, survived. I I do like what they've done with the uh, the Hobgoblin towards the end of the the original first run. I thought. That the modern Spider-Man writers should tackle the Hobgoblin long before Spider-Girl did. <laughs> mm. But uh, I agree. I'm glad the title's coming back. It's on my pull list. It has been ever since issue one of the last one. So, all right. Speaking of another new direction for a title, uh, the Thunderbolts are getting a makeover, or a pimp my ride, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Venom and the Green Goblin, uh, two of Spider-Man's biggest enemies, are going to be on the team. It looks like. Uh, due to civil war, I think they're going to have some implants on the back of their head or something to make them yes men. <laughs> so they're going to go after the heroes that don't register, is what I've pretty much gathered. And uh, what, what do you guys think about more? Let's start with you. I'm very excited about this personally. I've never been interested in the Thunderbolts the way they are because, to be honest, I don't even know who most of those characters are, and <laughs> I don't really care. But. Uh, now with this relaunch, not relaunch, but revamp, it's a really interesting looking team. We've got um, Green Goblin, Venom, and Bullseye, or, you know, some great names there. This new character called Tenants, nobody seems to know anything about, but he looks scary and he's written by Warren Ellis. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that, that, that at the very darker. least will cause you nightmares right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, and you know, we've seen some of the seeds planted in Civil War Frontline number seven, where we're seeing Norman Osborn as kind of the still crazy but in control leader of this team and it just looks like a really really solid idea it's one of those ideas that when I heard I just wished I had come up with because it's that good and it yeah I'm really excited about it I'm looking forward to it I think it was Ellis or uh, oh I can't think of the Diodato Jr. said that they needed a villain team as strong as the new Avengers that is like the wish list of all the players that you'd like to Mm -hmm. have in your team so I think that was the basis of the idea JR what's your thoughts on the new Thunderbolts well, uh, as anybody who's checked my site uh, out knows, uh, I'm just a huge fan of uh, Norman Osborn. And uh, I've always felt that one thing that uh, 
is needed for that character. He needs to have a wider agenda than just kicking Peter Parker around. And I think this is a, a perfect uh, you know way to do it. Although it'll be interesting, he's never been much of a team player himself, mm-hmm. and uh, which I guess is why he's in charge. Uh, and I think in, in Frontline number seven or something, we saw a mystery figure giving him something that's supposed to uh, help him block out the, the the nanites or that are that he's got implanted in him. So, yeah. but Newsarama released a, a couple of killer preview pages uh, with the shadowy Osborne apparently interrogating Bullseye, and Bullseye is just sweating bullets as Osborne <laughs> is uh, giving him the once over. So, um, it's you know I, I'm very cautious. I mean, villains villains have a you know they, they they can be very easily overdone and overused, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm I'm really interested to see where this one goes. Yeah, Spidey dude, what's your thoughts? You going to pick up the title? Uh, I am. I am going to pick up the title. Uh, the only my only concern is 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 Warren Ellis actually going to come out with it on time? <laughs> you know, you must have been reading um, Iron Man at the time when you. <laughs> well, I, I just heard the horror stories about Iron Man. Yeah, and. And, you know, there's some people that have never been overly impressed with Warren Ellis. Uh, I have never read his stuff, I'll be honest with you. So, and I, I think he also was doing the ultimate nightmare stuff, and it never came out on time either. Mm-hmm. So, my concern is, is, is it going to come out on time? you got a great artist. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of skeptical about having Venom and the Green Goblin on the team, but I think the reason is, is I think that they're going to have a big story. My thought is that they're going to have a big storyline of them hunting Peter, because, I mean, you're going to have these two guys that knew his identity before nearly everybody else, you know, before the unmasking. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to know how to strike him where it hurts them up. I still don't know which Venom we're going to have. We could have the Scorbo Venom or we could have the Eddie Brock Venom. I would preferably have Eddie Brock back. Same here. Um, <laughs> um, you know, Matt Gargan was a great character without the suit. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know... I just it, it, I'm, I'm I'm a little cautious, like like uh, Jr. said. I'm a little cautious. Uh, is it going to be overkill to have Norman Osborn every month in a single title? Now, and how's this going to affect the Spidey titles too? Guys, refresh my memory. Didn't Venom and the Green Goblin weren't they on the Sinister Six around that Mackie Burn run, or was Norman Osborn not on that team? Uh, no, Norman, Norman was, was not on. on the team. But they uh, were both Venom in was. the. Uh, Big Twelve of Mark Miller's Marvel Knights run. Oh, okay, Jerry, yeah, you were saying? Right. No, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Norman wasn't on that Sinister Six team back uh, right after the reboot. Venom was, and okay. uh, but uh, yeah, in Marvel Knights Twelve, uh, Norman was the. Uh, in fact, Norman was the one who uh, told Gargan Peter's secret identity. So right. um, they, you know, there's, there apparently is some kind of working relationship that they've had that 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 hasn't been. Explained that that goes back years that that Osborne wouldn't even trust him with that information. So um, I, I I like the Gargan Venom, frankly. I think Eddie Brock really? had kind of uh, run out of gas, but um, you know we'll see. Well, that that Venom title that they he was in, good lord, that was bad. Oh man, oh <laughs> that, yeah, I just sold that off not too long ago. I didn't <laughs> look at it anymore. Did anybody buy it? Because I wasn't a big fan. <laughs> I know no, I know Grovel bought it. Yeah, Grovel bought it for a few times. Yeah. Jerry, were you a fan of that Venom uh, solo series? No, no, I, I didn't buy in buy it. I, I've really never been a fan of the Venom character, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I am trying to considering his uh, upcoming appearance in the third movie and and the fact that I may uh, write write on him a little bit. I'm trying I'm trying to develop an appreciation for him. Yeah. 
That's a good segue. We're, let's talk a bit about JR's site for the next topic. If you don't know, it's SpideyKicksButt.com, which is a great site that has JR's thoughts and writings about Spider-Man throughout uh, Spidey's various 40-year-plus history. And the latest endeavor that he's been doing is like a seven-part series on Norman Osborn and Harry Osborn. And just get, let's give it a status. It's been a while since we've had an update on the site. JR, what, what's, what's some plans for the uh, site? Yeah, it has been a while. I get uh, I'm going. I can't pick on Warren Ellis or Kevin Smith or anybody like that now. Uh, you know, all I can say is you know life just got in the way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got a you know without boring people with the details. You know, I got a promotion earlier in the year, which was good news, but it just utterly fried me and stressed me out. And you know, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, you know, your family just seems to still want your attention. And, uh, <laughs> so, you know, life got in the way, and, and that's really all I, I, I'm going to say. Uh, but uh, I'm, st- I'm working on the Harry series. Um, in fact, part eight is pretty close to being completed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get another two or three kind of in the bag uh, before I start posting them. And so I, I don't have a firm date uh, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to set up a date and then miss it. Um, right. But uh, but no, the, the series, it still lives. I, I still get people writing me and saying, you know, they just found the site and they like it. So, um, it's uh, you know, I decide to keep it going. But but I'm going to try two or three more parts of the Harry series, uh, do a, a couple of other non-related uh, topics. Uh, the unmasking will probably be one looked at in detail. And uh, finish the Harry series. And uh, then, like I said, I'd like to, I'd like to look at a certain... Uh, Strange visitor from outer space. Yes, uh, <laughs> that has that has been a very, you know, that that's been requested by a lot of people over the years. Um, and I do listen to my readers. Uh, the Hobgoblin series was one that there's some guy who who bugged me about writing the Hobgoblin. So I said, all right, all right, I'll write about the Hobgoblin. And, <laughs> and then it turned out to be, you know, one of the most popular, you know, things I've done. So uh, plus with the movie coming up. So that's kind of tentatively uh, what I'm looking at. Um, yeah. Um, talk talk a bit about Venom. Why, why aren't you a fan of Venom? I think uh, us three fellas are. At least I think. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's part. I guess partly because I'm just a contrary old fart for one. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, I just think you know he just was he, he to me he just seemed almost like an, an image style character. Mm. You know, uh, come in and, and and create a whole lot of chaos and mayhem and, and then leave and. You know, and and uh, you know, and then he just kept coming back all the time. And then they they came up with Carnage, mm-hmm. uh, which because they started making Venom more of a character, and I guess the, or more of a well-rounded character. So they said, well, gee, he's lost his edge. So let's create this utterly irredeemable psychopath. <laughs> and you know, and, and and like Maximum Carnage. You know, I mean, I know that it's a lot of people's guilty pleasures, but <laughs> it's like. You know, you you just you know when, when you see what, you know how Carnage acted. I mean, it's like and, and Spider Man is, you know, to me there's there's got to be a limit to Spider Man's, um, you know, feelings of, uh, you know, not killing. You know, I, that's about all I'm going to say on that. But it just spun out of control. But you know, I you know looking back now, he's kind of been out of the picture for a while. I really do think. You know that Venom actually can, if, if well written, represent you know kind of this triumvirate of villains. You know, you've got the, the Norman Osborn, the father, kind of the the uh, the father figure, the failed father figure, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Octopus, the the mad scientist uh, that you know Peter could have been, and Venom is is, is like the dark side of the spider. You know what yeah. what Peter what could happen to Peter if he lost 
And I think that's where they're going in the third film, actually. Mm-hmm. If, you know, he lost, you know, that sense of morality, or he, he went across that fine line. And I think that's where Venom's strength lies, and I think that's something that was, well, basically ruined. Uh, and yeah. if a good writer can really bring that back, uh, then I think that uh, Venom would be a, a much more exciting character. But like I said, I'm, I'm just a contrarian fart who likes the old Ditko <laughs> villains. So. Yeah, were you, were you a fan of the original first appearance of Venom with uh, Michelin and McFarlane when they did that, like issue uh, 298? Uh, <clears throat> well, again, this is going to be where I'm pretty cranky. No, I didn't, because <laughs> it was like, who the heck is Eddie Brock? You know, yeah. and, and that was, of course, now, you know, you know, 20 years later, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, well, of course we all know who Eddie Brock is, but, you know, in, in issue 300, this guy walks in, you know, he's Eddie Brock, you know, we've never seen him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows Peter's identity, which is something that was, you know, prior to that had only been known by an Osborne. You know, I mean, it was very, you know, very tightly controlled at that time, and then here comes this guy we've never seen. He knows who Peter, Spider-Man is, uh, and he just keeps reappearing in his life, and it's like, well, what has this guy done to to earn this status as an A-list supervillain. And that's, you know, again, that's just my, uh, you know, that's just my contrary take on it. Yeah. Spidey Dude, let's talk a bit about your thoughts. I mean, uh, are you a fan I, of Venom? I'm a, I'm a little bit, I, I was on the fence. I've been yeah. on the fence for, I was a fan of him when I was younger, but the more I've read about Venom, you know, like JR said, who is Eddie Brock? <laughs> you come out of nowhere and yeah. you're like, hey, I'm a bodybuilder. And I've hated you because your story, you know, because you ruined my story. That the character's motivation was always suspect to me, and I think that was the weakest part of the character. Um, you know, he just hates Peter Parker because he ruined his career. You know, there have been people that have had their careers ruined, but then moved on. And I think it shows how weak, of, how weak, of a, how weak Eddie Brock's character is, is that he yeah. couldn't move on. He had to focus on destroying Peter Parker. And, he, you know, so much so that he was even willing to take his own life. You know, it shows really the weakness of the Eddie Brock character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as time has gone on, you know, I, I still think that the best Venom story was uh, the one in Spectacular's second volume, the opening arc with uh, oh. Ramos, who I despised the art. But yeah. I love the story. <clears throat> Great yeah, I, story. I just couldn't get past <laughs> the artwork on that one. <laughs> you know. oh, More God. of your thoughts on it. Um, well, I really love the character Venom. Now, it doesn't mean that I've liked the way he's been used all the time or liked all of his stories, but I don't really let that taint my opinion of the character because if he's well-written, if he's well-used, I really like him. And a lot of the times, my favorite villains are always those dark mirrors for the heroes. And I think that's really what Venom encapsulates at his height. Mm-hmm. He's not always used that way. He's been used as lethal protector and all but you, um, you broke up. Well, he's used as the you dark mirror for Peter Parker, the dark mirror for Spider-Man. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah, yeah I, you broke up just a little bit in the middle of that. One more time. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. No problem. Um. But yeah, the point was just the whole the dark mirror thing. I think Topher Grace actually, who's playing Eddie Brock in the movie, uh captured the idea really well. He said his theory for the character was that for Venom, it would be with great power comes great fun. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's like good. That's good. Um, I, I, think, I think Brock works better. I think, you know, you've, you've hit on something. I think Brock works better if he is a contemporary of Peter Parker. 
Um, and I think that that's where you know it'll be interesting to see how what they do in the third film. Mm-hmm. Going back to the original topic, I just want to tell JR, you've got a great site, and I'm, I'm glad we've teamed up over uh, over the last couple of months to promote each other with the, your articles, because they're top-notch, my friend. Very good stuff. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right, let's move on to the next uh, topic. It's kind of what we hit on a little bit about the favorite Spider-Man storylines over the years. Um, who wants to go first? Morb, you want to tackle I'll it? Go. Or, or Spidey Dude, go ahead. Okay, I'll go first, because I already know what mine is. Okay, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> mine is the Clone Saga. I'm yeah. a huge Clone Saga fan. I love Ben Riley. I loved the idea of Baby Mayor. I thought it was a natural character evolution to have Peter Parker be a father. I think it would have been... I, I think the uh, idea of Ben Riley taking over as Spider-Man for a little while while Peter raises his child was was a good idea had they not made Peter Parker, you know, the clone. Yeah. Um I still think, you know, I've always thought that clones can't be, can't have kids. I, I would think they'd be like, you know, they would, they would be impossible. So I, I always thought in the back of my mind, you know, Ben is really the clone. Uh, but I've, you know, when Norman Osborn came back, it was a great, great idea. I would have preferred Harry. I think it made sense to me at the time, After, but now after reading JR's article, that kind of makes more sense than Norman would be the mastermind behind it. But... But at the time, I always thought it should be Harry instead of Norman. Mm-hmm. You know, Norman got his heart impaled by a spear, you know, <laughs> and he, you know, he shouldn't be alive. Yeah. But I, and it was always one of my favorite issues was uh, number 75. And even my yeah. father, when I first got that book, he was in shock because he never would have dreamed of the, uh, that Norman Osborn would have came back. But it was great great shock and I think the stories in between the character of Kane was a great character he was a he was even more the antithesis of uh, Peter than Venom was I think he was really you know been a crazy psychopath and I think that was a great great well, character I, I guess the, you know the clone saga is the trashed upon storyline of all Spider-Man why, why do you think that is since you're uh, that's your favorite storyline why do you think people pick um, on that thing I, I think the reason why people pick on it, it was because, one, it did run too long. It ran entirely too long. And, it, one, it, I mean, people, a lot of people could not accept the fact that Peter Parker was a clone. It was a hard pill to swallow. I mean, this was the Peter Parker from 30, 30 years of stories essentially wiped away, you know, and, mm-hmm. and condensed down to five, five, well, five quote-unquote years uh, Marvel time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a lot of stories that just, get erased away and then you have you know it wasn't like one of the uh, letters said it wasn't Ben Riley the spectacular Spider-Man it was Peter Parker the spectacular Spider-Man so you know I understand why people don't like it because it did reveal Peter to be a clone and I thought that was it was a good twist yeah and I, but I think it was always in the cards to bring have that that story play out and then bring you know I think around four, number 400 and have Peter be the true one true Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, see, I, I'm, one of, of I'm one of those longtime fans that never could accept that that Peter Parker was a clone. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I guess I was one of the vocal people that didn't care for it. But, all right, let's move on to Morb. Uh, your your favorite storyline over the years? Really, uh, my favorite stems a lot from what I was just talking about. I think the general story from the point in Secret Wars when Spider-Man got the black costume, the original symbiote, to the point where Venom had his first story. 
was just about one of the best comic book storylines there has ever been. Uh, I like the whole examining the darker part of Spider-Man. You know, uh, the way the symbiote played on him, the way it worked with his psyche, and then the creation of Venom, who I think has never been quite as good as he was in his first appearance. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a fan of darkness. We all know that. <laughs> you <laughs> that, linger uh, in the shadows more. <laughs> yeah, so I think that encompasses yeah. one of my favorite all-time comic book stories. JR, your favorite? Um, well, one of my favorites, um, um, I'm really partial, and I think, actually, you guys might have touched on this in your first podcast. Somebody might have said it, so I hate to re- retread old, old ground if it's that's okay. where I heard it. But um, I really like that story arc with uh, that ran in Spectacular, uh, back during the 80s uh, with Doc Ock, the Owl, the Black Cat, the Kingpin. Yeah, that was um, and, and that culminated in a, you know, a quote-unquote final battle where Spider-Man, you know, trashed Doc Ock so thoroughly that... Uh, yeah, he you know, ripped Ock... his arms off. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> that was it a was good like, story. Yeah, it's one of those where, you know, you know, he finally had had enough, but he didn't turn so dark like he did in the the pre-clone saga, where he was he was the spider and he had poor eating habits and webbed himself up in a cocoon. <laughs> you know, he he just had enough. He'd seen Doc try to yeah. kill the black cat, and he just calmly walked up to him and said, "You know what? You were only born with two arms," <laughs> and, and just ripped him Man, off. I haven't read that storyline since the '80s when it came out, but that as a kid, I remember that was a great storyline. That was a cool scene, and just, you know, how he, you can feel, you know, him just literally, I mean, the early days of his relationship with Felicia, Mm -hmm. um, you know, clearly she's no good for him, but (laughs) he just is falling head over heels in love with her, and you know, and and like I said, you know, he and I were about the same age at that time, and Mm -hmm. so I could really relate to what he was going through, you know, there's this raw, this raw passion, you know, for this person, and, um, so, you know, that was kind of my, you know, I felt Bill Mantlow's run was always underappreciated, yeah. uh, partly because he's no longer around to, talk, you know, to talk about it, because he's, he's, he's mentally, he's incapacitated, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and really also during that 80s, I mean, when you had Mantlow on Spectacular and Stern on Amazing, mm-hmm. and Stern was doing the first Hobgoblin story before that got out of control, yeah. I think that, I think that was a really good era. Yeah, I agree. Personally, my favorite era is it's kind of similar to Morbius's. I enjoyed uh, like starting with Amazing Spider-Man 252, all the way up to 328 when he uh, had the Cosmic Spider-Man. I thought when uh, McFarlane left, my uh, enjoyment factor went down a little bit. But I really enjoyed. Maybe it was because I'm a kid of the 80s. I I originally started reading Spider-Man back in 1978 with Marvel Team-Up Annual Number Two, where he fought the Hulk. That was my first. Uh, exposure to Spider-Man, and of course, uh, the Electric Company, <laughs> and uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. But you know, right around 252, it, it was no longer. I was just reading the pictures. I actually got what they were. T- I was reading it. I was actually getting into what they were talking about. In 252, when he got that black costume, I ran to the store and picked up that first Secret Wars action figure of Spidey in the black suit. I thought that was the coolest thing. So, you know, to do the complete opposite of this topic that we're talking about, I'll, I'll hit mine. You guys, if you have one, uh, what's your least favorite storyline that Spider-Man's done over the years? My my personal least favorite is the reboot. I hated that they trashed the Amazing Spider-Man numbers, and they started with the number one, and, and Byrne and Mackie, Mackie writing two titles at once. I just thought that was awful. <laughs> I just couldn't <laughs> couldn't take that run at all. Uh, JR, let's hit you up again. What's your least favorite? 
um, there are two eras that were my least favorite. Um, the the one one was the Denny O'Neill era. Um, that fortunately that didn't last very long, but uh, that was from around Amazing two oh seven to like two twenty two or something before Stern took over. And, right. and and I think he was having I mean I think he was having personal issues because you know this guy's a comics legend and that stuff was just awful. It was just juvenile. He trashed all the Marv 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 Wolfman's good storylines, mm-hmm. uh, and it was awful. But uh, the most loathsome story I ever felt was that <laughs> two-part, two-part Green Goblin story that ran um, <clears throat> in spectacular and amazing, where uh, the fifth Green Goblin was revealed to be this defective clone. I just thought that was an appalling story. <laughs> um, I yeah. thought it was a liter- I thought it was literally an fu. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I can, you know, it's like That's if somebody awesome. writes a bad, if somebody writes a bad story, someone writes a bad story. Heck, yeah. we've all we've all turned in work we don't feel is our best. Yeah. But I think that one was just a big screw you to the fans <laughs> because people were saying who was the fifth Green Goblin, and, they, yeah. and it's like, well, they said, ah, here he is, he's a nobody, and worse, he's a clone of nobody. Ha ha ha! <laughs> and you had you had Flash, you know, you know, Flash has always been a buffoon, but he's never been a bad person. And for him to say, well, you know, gee, you know, everybody, every girl Peter gets close to dies, ha, ha, ha. And, you know, and, and Liz, you know, I mean, you know, walk, you know, t- treats him like he's scum. It, it was just very bad. And in fact, I've always believed that was the, um, that was the story that made, um, Joey Q finally pull the, pull the trigger on, uh, on, uh, the whole reboot thing. Uh, was that appalling piece of trash, so. <laughs> So what do I really think? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah before, before we hit Spidey more, I just want to hit JR with one question. What, what do you think of uh, Norman coming back? Oh, I love it. I mean, again, yeah. that's... That, I know that's you're a big like, fan. Yeah, I was about to say, that's, you know, that, that's almost too obvious, you know, uh, uh, too obvious. I mean, I just loved it. Um, I'm glad um, I'm glad he's back. I, I really feel that, uh, you know, he, he provides... There's always got to be somebody that the hero is just absolutely scared to death of. And, uh, you know, and I was glad that, you know, I'm glad that he actually was gone for a long time because otherwise he would have been beaten up and overused. And, and really he had run out of steam when he was killed off. There, there was really nowhere to go with him um, because back then you just couldn't have a guy who knew the superhero's secret identity at large. You know, he always had to be brought into justice or he had to lose his memory. So there was nowhere to go with the character. Yeah. Um, you know, and when you realize when they brought him back, too, I mean... I, you know, Marvel had killed off Doctor Octopus. Mm-hmm. Venom had been effectively neutered. I mean, you know, you think about it. If they had kept with the Ben Riley Spider-Man, who in the world were his villains going to be? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I really think it was good that they brought back his, you know, both Norman and and Doc Ock. I mean, those are the fans. I mean, those are the villains people know. Everybody knows who. The, I mean, you know, it, you know, it's kind of like the old Batman villains. Everybody can rattle off the Joker, the, the Riddler, Catwoman, and Penguin. Mm-hmm. You know, and it would be a mistake for DC to kill any of those off. And you know, I kind of feel that right now it's the same with the, the Goblin and Doc Ock. Right. So. You, you know, I, I felt a little cheated, maybe because I didn't really grow up in the uh, the Green Goblin era. I grew up in the Hobgoblin era, era. And I, I but over time, I'm, I'm I kind of like Norman in the background as a, as a villain. But I felt a little cheated, you know, because that 121, 122 were great storylines, and that it. I don't know. I, I was conflicted at the time, but what? It's been at least maybe ten years now since he's been back. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, of course, Chris, we haven't touched on Sin's past yet either. But that's probably a yeah. topic for another yeah. day. We're, <laughs> we're we're going long as it is, but uh, let's hit yeah. Spidey Dude and more. Uh, Spidey okay, Dude, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. 
My least favorite storyline, mm, it's it's a toughie. Uh, I, I, it's a tie, really. Okay. It's, it's a tie between the reboot. Actually, it's a three-way tie. It's a three-way tie. <laughs> the reboot, the other, and the latter half of Sin's Past. Yeah. I loved Sin's Past, the first two issues, because it was a genuine mystery. I thought, oh, man, JMS has got it right. <laughs> and then Gwen Stacy got boned by Norman Osborn. What the blank is like? <laughs> you know, I was like, no way. And then the other was just appalling in itself. I, I thought, there's no story. I mean, it's just, oh, we're going to have this big event, and there's no story. <laughs> there was no resolution. There was a story, but there was no resolution. Who was the other? Who was, uh, why was he dying in the first place? Um, you know, I mean, it was just, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But that's, those are my three like, least favorite stories in those sequential order. Okay. More? Fil- finish it out. Oh, just real quickly, um, it's a very short and insignificant part of Spider-Man history, but the most hated story I've ever read was Spider-Man Breakout. That little <laughs> mini-series that I think I gave uh, under zero rating for the review. <laughs> Yeah, it, you um, were not kind on the site. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, really hated it, because I had some expectations for it. I was enjoying the new Avengers. There was the uh, you know, anticipation of all the broken-out villains right then. It seemed like a cool story to tell. Yeah. And then when it came out, it wasn't about Spider-Man at all. And uh, the little bits that were weren't really very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really about the UFOs and Crossfire's crew. Their story was totally uninteresting and I didn't care and in the end I just felt cheated of something that could have been good and given something way substandard so I I really hated that I'm in the same boat with you hated that book I think it's one of the first Spider-Man books that I read and I just didn't even finish it Mm. I just could not take that book I would have stopped buying it if I wasn't reviewing it. Yeah. <laughs> I really would. Hey, man, if you're reviewing it for my site and you hate it, you don't have to buy any more. I'm not, I, don't, <laughs> I don't pay enough for the site. Actually, I don't pay anything at all. I'm cheap. <laughs> yeah, I'm only doing amazing, so I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not right. doing amazing anymore. I'm not doing anything. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, Crazy Chris has taken over Amazing, and he also is taking over Sensational. So yeah. look for those. He's reviews. doing a good job on Amazing. Yeah. yeah, he's doing a good job. I'm happy with all my reviewers. So I guess it's we're about 42 minutes in. Uh, time to wrap it up a little bit. Uh, let's talk a bit about this can be from any uh, media aspect that you want, things that you'd like to plug, that you're reading, that you recommend for other people. JR, you want to? What are you reading? What what's, uh you recommend? For uh, well, I'll make this real quick since I've blathered on long enough about a number of topics. Uh, <laughs> right now I'm finishing up. My comics reading budget has been pretty well slashed over the years due for various reasons, but I'm still hanging on to something called Strangers in Paradise, which is a um, a smoldering lesbian love story. Uh, hey, those are always good. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, it's in its final six uh, issues, which is why I'm hanging on. I, it, it's been... It's pretty complicated. I can't really do it justice, but it's you know the story of two women who are who are best friends and who may or may not you know have more of a relationship. But there's a lot more to it than that. And when the writer delves into one of the characters' criminal past, um, that's some really interesting stuff. I mean, he really this Terry Moore. He has a really good feel for for crime drama and and, and why do they say noir? Um, when he gets into the um, you know the more soap opera elements, it gets a little weaker, and, and really the storyline's kind of out of gas. But he's wrapping it up, so I'm 
I'm still sticking with it. And uh, one last thing, I finally saw Napoleon Dynamite on DVD <laughs> yesterday. My daughter loves that film. And, you know, I'm a fan of, of stupid movies. I mean, I loved, uh, I laughed my butt off at Talladega Nights. Uh, but, you know, I've, someone's got to explain to me Napoleon Dynamite. So. <laughs> there is no plot, man. <laughs> Oh, I think we've got a fan if we got the quote started. <laughs> Spidey-Doo, what are you uh, reading? What do you recommend this month? What am I reading? I, I My back issue, Divulging, came up with uh, Spider-Man Redemption, which is the uh, written by uh, uh, J.M. DeMathis. And, uh, which, which also one's that done, one about? What, what's the redemption? That was about uh, Ben Riley's girlfriend, and when Ben Riley's actually Spider-Man and Kane is attacking Ben Ben Riley's, you know, girlfriend and attacking Ben, trying to trying to draw out Ben. Okay. Um, I was getting he, confused uh, with the the Romina Jr. I think that was the Lost Years, though. Yeah, that was Lost Years. This yeah. is the sequel <clears throat> to Lost Years. Oh, okay. Uh, it was uh, it was also done by Mike Zek. The art was done by Mike Zek. So it was the uh, basically the re team up with uh, the guys that did Craven's Last Hunt, and it's absolutely a great great little story. Yeah. Uh, really underrated. Um, I'm also uh, I also watched that. Um, I'm planning on getting that Sunday show season five mm-hmm. on DVD on Tuesday, as well as X Men three. So you know yeah. that's that's my recommendation. Yeah, X Men three. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why people don't like that movie. I watched it again for the second time. Loved it. Did you guys like yeah, X Men three? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. What was I getting? X Men three. Yeah. Did you oh, enjoy yeah. it? Yeah, I liked that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think oh. a lot of people felt, felt betrayed, you know, classic X-Men fans felt betrayed because it was a, a complete, you know, redoing of the Dark Phoenix storyline, but it's like, you know, really the, the type of the, the movies, the type of movies they've been doing just really didn't allow for the whole outer space angle, so. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I thought it was a great movie. Uh, more, what's, what are you reading? What do you recommend? I tell you, I was, uh, I finally picked up Witchblade number 101 last month, and as I was reading them, I thought, man, I've got to recommend these on the Crawl Space podcast. <laughs> they're great books, really, and everybody, everybody still has the impression that Witchblade is a TNA book, and it very much used to be. But it's not anymore. Honestly, since Ron Mars took over with issue number 80, he started a whole new era of the book. Him and Mike Choi, the new artist, who, just left after 20 issues, and he's amazing. Decided that the Witchblade is not going to be in metal bikini anymore. She's going to wear clothes, and we're going to have some plot. <laughs> and it w- What's a they revolutionary in a really great idea era. right there? <laughs> <laughs> they brought in a really great era. What they're doing right now is some of the best stuff they've ever done. They've got mysteries where the Witchblade is being passed to a new bearer. One of her oldest and greatest villains is back. She's pregnant, and we don't really know. She says she, you know... Shouldn't be pregnant, let's say. Maybe maybe and, the uh, father is the fifth goblin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of great mystery going on, going on, a lot of great action, a lot of great character stuff, and it all started about 21 issues ago, so it's not too late to catch on, and I'd really recommend that to anybody because cool. it's not just a TNA book anymore. Cool. All right, here's my recommendations for the month. Uh, Lost Season 3. I thought they had a really great premiere uh, a couple weeks ago, and the second episode was really cool. So if you're a Lost fan, well, I'd actually recommend you catch up on Season 1 and 2 before you watch the the, the, uh, original run episodes. But really, I'm I'm a big fan of this season so far. 
Also, Heroes. I enjoy the. I've watched the first two episodes of Heroes, and I I, I hope they're going in a direction kind of like Lost. That's uh, a mystery all the way through. But I I've enjoyed the first two episodes. So, watch that on NBC. And uh, book wise, I'm plowing through the Peter David uh, Star Trek New Frontier books. Those are really cool. If you're a Trekkie, or even if you're not, if you're just a Peter David fan, uh, he is hilarious in some of these books that he's writing. I mean, it's not really... It's, it's that classic Peter David uh, humor in these books. And I've I've been putting off reading these for a while, but uh, I'm, I'm on uh, book five, and it's just great stuff. So, recommend all those. So, all right, fellas. Well, I've appreciated... Let's, I'm going to give a little tease for episode four uh, of the podcast, which will be in November. Uh, we've got uh, Eric from SamRuby.com. He's a Spider-Man webmaster. He's one of the best Spider-Man sites out there, if you've ever been to his site. And he's agreed to be uh, a guinea pig on this show, like you, you three <laughs> fellas. <laughs> so uh, he's going to be uh, the guest on the next episode. And also, uh, a little tease for the site, uh, we're also going to have, well, we're trying to get uh, the yearly contest with Dynamic Forces so we can give out some uh, free autographed Spider-Man comics for all the faithful SpiderManCrawlspace.com visitors and Dynamic Forces. So, guys, I appreciate it. It's been another fun show, so I thank you all for talking. And we'll be back for uh, the November episode in a few weeks. So, talk to you later.